welcome to Coffee and Tea. Come vibe with me. Sorry if you can hear my air conditioner, but it is hot tamale outside. Um, I hope everybody's having a great day. I'm your host, Marilyn Pennyfeather. Um, my last episode, I talked about the mask mandate here in Oklahoma and my two cents on that. Um, today I just wanted to kind of hop on and talk about motherhood. Um, I wanted to share a little bit of my experiences with motherhood and some detrimental things that I've experienced as a mother and pregnancy and um, it's just something that's kind of been on my mind and I feel like it's super important um, as a woman to be as transparent as I can, which is why I, you know, started this podcast in the first place to really just give women um, and anybody for that matter um, somewhere that they can feel, you know, loved and belonged and know that they're not alone. I mean, we're all connected. And so, um I got pregnant um, in 2009 um, with my first child. Um, I actually had two bonus babies before I even had my own, and um, I don't know what I would do without them. Um, They've taught me so many things, but um, I was pregnant with my son, Uh, definitely (laughs) was not planned at all um but that's what happens when you don't have safe sex um and this beautiful boy came into the world and we were in Japan at the time uh I was eight and a half months pregnant flying to Japan two days before I could not fly anymore Uh, I was about to pop um I went down there in December and I had him February 3rd. He was actually uh, like four days past due. I wasn't dilating. I wasn't necessarily contracting a whole lot, but I was in a lot of pain and I wanted this baby out. Um, so they finally induced me and um, I was in labor for, I really don't remember a lot of the labor. I know that I was trying to hold out on the epidural and I lasted like 30 minutes after they had given me Pitocin to, you know, enhance my labor and, and, and enable me to start contracting. And um, I was like, oh, I need the epidural. I need the epidural. epidural. And um, so I got that and I pushed and pushed and I think I was out of I think they said like a seven for like five hours um, and wasn't going anywhere. Um, He was not coming out. He was stuck. Um, And so they said they wanted to do an emergency C-section. Now here's where it gets traumatic. Um, And I think this trauma has had a lot to do with my obviously physical health and some things. Um, And so that's why I wanted to bring it up because there's a lot of traumatic experiences that we as women go through, especially in childbirth, um, that is not often talked about. And I know within the black community, it definitely needs to be talked about more because black women are three times more likely to die uh, before 
during or even after childbirth um, because they're not uh, taken seriously. Uh, the amount of pain that they're in, they're not attended to like white women are in the hospitals. And oftentimes the resources because of uh, the communities and poverty that they live in, um, they don't have the resources that a lot of white women have to give safer births um, or have insurance. So um, I had a C-section um, and when they were sewing me back up, um, you know, naturally when you have a C-section, um, if you've never watched a video of a woman having a C-section, I highly encourage you to do so. Um, so you can see the multiple layers of skin and muscle and tissue that um, the doctors have to go through in order to get to our uh, uh, embryonic sac to get the baby out. Um, it's an extremely fascinating process, but it's, it's a major, major surgery. Um, I mean, you're literally cutting through layers and layers of skin. Um, it's, it's crazy. Um, and when they were sewing me back up, you're naturally supposed to feel like some tugging and pulling, um, but you should not feel any necessarily pain or obviously feel them sewing you up. Well, my epidural had wore off and I could feel them putting me back together. Um, I was hysterically crying. Um, of course, at that point in time, they had already taken um, my son away to bathe him um, and clean him up and give him to his father. And um, I was basically screaming and hysterically crying and telling them I can feel what you're doing um so they you know gave me some more I guess pain medication or another epidural I'm not really sure what they did um but I was so distraught and I just have a vision of them like taking me back to the room after and I was just crying and I remember my husband grabbed my hand and was like it's okay and I said no you don't understand like I could feel what they were doing and I was just in a world of tears and I don't really remember anything after that I really don't remember them bringing Dakin to the room for the first time or anything um it was pretty traumatic and it almost felt like um if I have any nip tuck watchers out there there was an episode on nip tuck where this lady had went under and she was conscious and um while she was underneath and the pain medicine, well, she was, she was technically like unconscious in a sense, you know, like she was out, um, like, but she was paralyzed, but she was conscious to where she could feel the pain and you could just see the tears rolling out of her eyes because she could feel everything that they were doing. And she was like internally screaming, but then she couldn't move. It's kind of like sleep paralysis in a sense. And that's really what I felt like, but I was awake, like I could feel everything. And um, they kind of just denied me that that's what was happening and that was normal. And like, you can feel tugging and pulling. And I'm like, but it's not tugging and pulling. I can feel you literally like sewing me up. Um, so I never really realized how much of an impact that had on my body, especially my, my uterus pain and my reproductive system um, of just how I overall felt and also not getting to physically be with and hold my baby um, as soon as I had him and that skin-to-skin -skin contact which is super important 
um, with the newborn. Um, and so fast forward to, um, shortly after I was sent home, then my incision got super infected and, um, I was in an excruciating amount of pain. It was red. It was warm to the touch. I could hardly get out of bed and extend my stomach because it hurt so bad. Um, I had went to the emergency room twice and I had one of the nurses deny me that I was in pain and that it was, um, infected. Um, and I was so upset I was pissed and I was like, there's something wrong. And so I finally called the OB, um, that had delivered my baby and I called her and I said, I've been to the emergency room twice and they are saying that it's not infected and I know it's infected. And so she was like, come in right away. And I mean, like as soon as I pulled my pants down, she was like, I can smell it and it's infected and it's red and this is obviously infected. So she was also upset. So it was just super hurtful to, um, not feel heard and not have somebody like believe you. And, um, now that I am kind of, you know, obviously taking this healing journey and I, I say it over and over again, you know, healing is not a destination. There's no specific destination to get to. It's an everyday journey. And, um, I have come to the conclusion that I am aware of that, I have this constant pattern in my life and I think a lot of women go through this of not being believed whether it's for sexual trauma um, sexual abuse sexual harassment um, their physical pain and that absolutely gets manifested into our body and creates other types of illnesses and I say this because um, even talking about it now you know brings up some situations of other times that I had not been heard and not been believed and listened to. And, um, when I had a tumor in my left breast, when I was 18 years old, um, you know, my mom did not believe me. Uh, it was the size of a baseball and she denied and said I was making it up and that I was trying to get attention. And, um, until the day of my surgery, both of my parents had showed up and (laughs) were trying to be supportive after they just completely denied, denied, denied me um, that I was telling the truth. And that is extremely hurtful to not feel believed. And so then when something does happen that is crucial or life-threatening, you know, like sexual abuse or whatever, like then people wonder in society wonder why we don't tell because well nobody believes us um that's why there's you know stacks and stacks of rape cases and um the documentary I think it's called the silent truth or something like that it's a military documentary I believe I've spoke on before about um the the how the military um is known for covering up you know sexual harassment cases and rape cases and it just gets thrown underneath the rug like these cases never even existed and these these men um, are protected and they get to keep their jobs and you know meanwhile you have a, a woman like Vanessa uh, who served this country and reported sexual assaults and harassments and then was later found you know dismembered and murdered um, because people don't believe women when they speak up 
and it's just, it's super absolutely infuriating, and um, that's why I really wanted to speak on my experience with situations of, you know, people not listening when we say that something is hurting. Um, I've definitely also struggled with this my entire life as far as trying to figure out my physical pain and my back pain and um, having, you know, men constantly deny that you're in this pain and that it's probably just in your head. So now I'm going to give you, you know, um, uh, and, uh, antidepressants and anxiety medication to cope with this invisible pain that you're dealing with, um, that's in your head. And it's super infuriating to not feel heard, um, to not feel, you know, believed, um, it's, it's frustrating, um, and it makes you feel alone in a lot of cases, um, and so I just really wanted to share my perspective on, on those, um, there's another instance, oh, let's see, my second pregnancy went well, though, however, um, you know, I still struggled with the loss of not getting to hold my child because I had another C-section. So I felt like I messed, I missed out on um, things that women who have a vaginal birth do get to experience, like the skin-to-skin contact. Um, you know, I wasn't the first person to get to hold my baby or, you know, have that skin-to-skin contact. And um, that's definitely really hurtful as a mother. Um, you know, I just spent nine months growing you in my belly and I don't even get to hold you. Um, and uh, let's see. Mm. When it comes to sexual abuse and sexual assault, even as a child, um, boys were very smart you know, into, into threatening you and blackmailing you and telling you, um, you know, nobody's going to believe you. Well, if you tell, I'll tell them this. Um, and that is widely known, you know, I mean, boys constantly did that and shame and guilt you into not giving them, you know, what they want, whatever sexual, sexual pleasure that they want. And if you don't do that, then they will exploit you or tell somebody something else. And I've had multiple men and boys try to do that to me and you know I had a uh, a dude spread a nasty rumor about me saying I gave him a sexually transmitted disease all because I wouldn't have sex with him at a party um <laughs> and I mean and I knew you know my truth and uh you know he tried to say he went and got tested and all this stuff and I'm like well you didn't get it from me brother because we did not have sex Um, you know, and I even went and got tested just to like prove, you know, a further point of like, well, I don't have what you have. I have nothing. And, um, it was just a way to shame, you know, because men are taught as, as boys that, you know, were to be objectified and were to be conquered and, uh, were to be, you know, sought after And it's a really disgusting mentality to, to project, um, to young boys, um, you know, that's definitely not what we should be teaching our sons about women. Um, we should be teaching them to respect women, to understand consent. No means no. That doesn't mean maybe later. That doesn't mean that you can further 
persist and persist and, and keep pressuring this woman to do something with you, no means no, plain and simple. And you can either, um, take that no respectfully and, um, respect her decision and, and move forward or get lost (laughs) in my opinion. I'm going to take a short break and I'll be right back. So, um, you know, when it comes to boys and stuff being raised in that way, we definitely have to make it a, uh, a priority to, to better teach our boys of how women and girls should be treated. And that's something that I definitely have tried to do with, with my girls, you know, um, because we also teach people how to treat us and what we choose to tolerate and accept, um, absolutely gives, you know, men and boys the green light to continue to treat us that way. Um, you know, if we don't stand up for ourselves and say, Hey, no, that doesn't make me feel good. Hey, no, that's not okay. You can't talk to me that way. Um, we, we continue to, to teach them that, well, this is what she's going to accept. So this is what I'm going to treat her and how I'm going to treat her. So we definitely have to do better, um, as parents and men in particular to stop teaching, you know, boys, this toxic masculinity, this, um, you know, that women are to be conquered and be submissive and the old, old Bible ways or wherever they get this mentality from. Um, of course it's generational, it's passed down. So I definitely am trying to end that shit with my, my son. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of some other situations that I can give you um, that I have experienced as a woman of just not being heard. Um, I can't really think of anything particular at this specific moment. Um, but I just want to encourage... Um, my beautiful sisters, um, that are listening to this, that, you know, you are loved, you are courageous, you are brave. And, um, I just encourage you to speak your truth, no matter the cost. Um, we have to stop being afraid of what other people will think of us. We have to stop being afraid to speak our truth as women and what that truth means to us because I truly believe that the more we as women keep speaking our truth and taking up space the more this world is going to change and the more people are going to hear us they're not going to have a choice but to listen and um, that's really the change that I hope to create that people really understand that um we have a significant place and a significant value in this world and the world would not be shit without us. Um, and there's this, I I think I mentioned it in my last podcast. So you'll have to forget me if I repeat myself a lot, because you know me, my brain is everywhere all the time, but you know, we think that mother earth is not going to retaliate, you know, because we, we call her mother. She's a woman. And we treat her like shit. And we've got to stop that. So the same day, the same way that we, we, you know, treat Mother Earth is the same way that we treat our women. And um, that has to stop. We have to start 
taking care of ourselves. We have to start teaching other people how to treat us and set boundaries. And we have to say no. We have to stop saying yes when we want to say no. Because that's going against how we feel. That's, that is uh, denying our boundaries within ourselves. We're abandoning ourselves, every, abandoning ourselves every time we say yes when we really want to say no. And I know that um, there's always been times with me when I was younger, you know, especially dealing with boys. I read this post um, one day and I was just like, oh, my God, I know exactly how that felt um, to be in a situation, a sexual situation where you felt like you had no choice but to say no. I mean, but to say yes, um, because of, of how pressured um, you are in those situations. And it's it sucks. Like, I would not want anybody to feel that way so I just encourage you women today to speak your truth know that you are loved I know that you're enough that you are worthy of everything good this life has to offer you Uh, it's never too late to start over it's never too late to start a new beginning Uh, it's never too late to evolve and and to transform Um, you know most of our our lives are spent in this caterpillar stage And it's okay to transform as many times as you need to. I want that to be very clear because I think the way that society raises us women is like, oh, damn, you get one shot and that's it. No, you keep evolving and you keep changing as many times as it takes, as many freaking times as it takes, as much as you got to learn, as much as you got to break yourself down, as many times as you have to go back to the beginning, keep doing that, keep persevering keep being resilient and keep being brave feel deal and heal i love you see y'all next time